Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. Few saw it coming before the season began, and even at midseason. But with excellent quarterbacking and a dominant defense, the Raiders won the NFL's big prize 40 years ago. From 1967 to 1977, the Raiders had been one of the top teams in professional football, reaching the postseason every year except for 1971. They had played in nine AFL-AFC championship games, winning two of them, and then two Super Bowls, winning one. But 1978 was a disappointing year. In a preseason game against the New England Patriots, Raiders defensive back Jack Tatum's hit resulted in Patriots receiver Darryl Stingley getting paralyzed. The play seemed to cast a dark cloud over the team. Quarterback Ken Stabler threw 30 interceptions and only 16 touchdowns. Receiver Cliff Brand scored only one touchdown the entire season, and the Raiders failed to reach the playoffs for the first time since 1971. They finished the year 9-7. and seven. To no surprise, 1979 brought change. Coach John Madden retired, and assistant coach Tom Flores took over. Future Hall of Famers Willie Brown and Fred Bolitnikoff retired. Defensive tackle Otis Sistrin retired too, and the team traded hard-hitting defensive back George Atkinson to the Denver Broncos. There was more. Defensive end John Matusek spent most of the season on the injured list. Pro Bowl running back Mark Van Egan had a disappointing year, running for just 818 yards after having three seasons in a row with over 1,000 yards. It all added up to another dismal 9-7 record. The team missed the playoffs for the second year in a row. More changes followed. Before starting the 1980 season, Al Davis announced that the team would be moving to Los Angeles. NFL Commissioner Pete Rozelle blocked the move, and the two ended up blocked in a court battle. There were on-the-field changes, too. Three of their top players were put on the trading block. Quarterback Ken Stabler, defensive back Jack Tatum, and linebacker Phil Villapiano. Few expected much from the 1980 Open Raiders, and the first five games didn't change that thinking. Oakland opened with a win over the Kansas City Chiefs, but lost the following week in overtime to the San Diego Chargers. 
A win in week three against the Redskins gave hope. The team was two and one, but week four saw a five turnover, 24 to seven loss to the Buffalo Bills. And week five was worse, a 31 to 17 loss to the Chiefs. Hope was fading for this two and three team, not just because of the way the team was playing, but because the new starting quarterback, Dan Pastorini, suffered a broken leg against Kansas City and was out for the season. The team would now be led by backup quarterback Jim Plunkett, who did nothing to distinguish himself by throwing five picks against the Chiefs. Up to that point, Plunkett had an up and mostly down NFL career. After winning the 1970 Heisman Trophy, Plunkett was the number one draft choice of the then Boston Patriots. After having a promising rookie campaign, Plunkett struggled for the next six seasons, four with the Patriots and two with the 49ers. In 1978, he joined the Raiders as a backup. Things looked bleak going into week six against the four and one Chargers, but the Raiders pulled off an upset. Plunkett threw only 14 passes, but completed 11 without an interception. Kenny King gained 138 yards rushing, but the big news was on defense, where the Raiders forced six turnovers and sacked quarterback Dan Fouts seven times. The Raiders won 38-24. Next up were the defending Super Bowl champion Pittsburgh Steelers. Surprisingly, the Raiders traded all-pro tight end Dave Casper during the week. But the team got an exchange was a good pass up. A first-round draft choice and two second-round choices and the Raiders had a solid player to replace Casper and three-time Pro Bowler Raymond Chester. The trade wasn't a disruption, as Plunkett played a great game, passing for 247 yards, three touchdowns, and again, zero interceptions. And a shootout, Oakland beat the Steelers 45-34. to under the steady leadership of second-year coach Tom Flores, the team then went on to win their next four games, making it six wins in a row. With an overall record of 8-3, and three, five games remained on the schedule. But it wouldn't be a cakewalk. Only one of their remaining opponents had a losing record. The Raiders went 3-2 and two in those games to finish the season at 11 and 5. The good news was on defense, where the Raiders led the league in forcing turnovers with 52 for the season, and they were second in the NFL with 54 sacks. And defensive back Lester Hayes led the league with 13 interceptions. Best of all, the 11 and 5 record was good enough to get the team into the playoffs as a wild card entry. The first playoff game was the Houston Oilers and former Raiders quarterback Ken Stabler. The Raiders weren't very welcoming to their former signal caller, 
who had two interceptions, and the defense kept hard-running Earl Campbell in check, holding him to 91 yards rushing. The Raiders won going away 27-7. Next up was a trip to Little Cold Cleveland and a matchup with the Browns. The game time temperature hovered near zero degrees. The Raiders were up 14 to 12 with less than one minute to play. But the Browns had the ball at the Raiders 13 yard line. Things looked bleak. That's when the defense stepped up once again. Defensive back Mike Davis intercepted a Bryant Sight pass intended for tight end Ozzie Newsom and the Raiders were on their way to the AFC Championship game against the Chargers in sunny San Diego. Defense wasn't the storyline in that game. Even though San Diego outgained the Raiders in yardage 434 to 362, they also committed three turnovers to zero for Oakland, and the Raiders won 34 to 27. In a script few thought possible, the Raiders were on their way to the Super Bowl, where they'd face the Philadelphia Eagles. There, the silver and black attack dominated the Eagles, who had defeated Oakland in Week 12. The defense limited Pro Bowl running back Wilbert Montgomery to just 44 yards rushing. The defense had four turnovers during the day three through interceptions made by linebacker Rod Martin. On offense, running back Kenny King turned a short pass into an 80-yard touchdown, and Jim Plunkett threw for 261 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, and was named the Super Bowl MVP. The Raiders won the game 27-10, to become one of the most unlikely teams in NFL history to win a Super Bowl. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. At the Sports History Network, we're all about sports yesteryear, and so we're so pleased to introduce you to Row One, an online memorabilia gallery and shop that brings your sports history to life anywhere. The Row One Gallery includes over 5,200 gorgeously reproduced prints of team posters, game program covers, game tickets, advertisements, and more in baseball, pro and college football, pro and college basketball, and more. And any gallery item may be printed in a variety of sizes on wood, metal, canvas, acrylic, or poster paper. And in Row One Shop, check out the thousands more of unique items with a retro and historical designs dating back to 1876 including t-shirts long sleeve shirts phone cases mugs blankets pillows towels and even shower curtains go to sportshistorynetwork.com row number one for access to the full row one catalog and for gallery prints and gift items plus get a 15 percent discount off all prints on the row one pictorum gallery with coupon code shn15 follow the link on the show notes Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, 
We have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Hello, football friends. This is Darren Hayes of the Pigskin Dispatch Podcast, and I'd like to invite you to the portal of positive football history, Pigskin Dispatch and pigskindispatch.com. We talk about everything that centers around the game of American football, expert discussions, the origins of the games, the great players, teams, and coaches, and more, and some great guests and insights from experts. We have new episodes three to four times a week, and you can find us on sportshistorynetwork.com, pigskindispatch.com, or your favorite podcast provider. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.